Okay, welcome to GothCast episode 7. I am Dr. Sanders. And I'm Robbie Gore. Alright, so today we have another movie episode for you. And we're going to talk about three movies that we think a lot of you out there might like. And definitely ones that, you know, we liked in certain ways and we're going to kind of criticize in other ways. Yep. But these are fitting for... The time of year. Yeah, yeah. So Halloween is coming up and it's going to be released the week of Halloween. So we thought this would probably give you something to watch and something to enjoy yeah. this time of year and maybe get you in the, the spirit of the season. As if you don't already live in it 24-7. Yeah, right? Every day is <laughs> Halloween. But yeah, it actually is Halloween. <laughs> and, I mean, pretty close to it when we're recording this. So like I said, we're going to do another movie episode. So we're going to talk about three movies. It's going to be Suspiria. Ed Wood and Only Lovers Left Alive. And not Ed Wood's movies. Ed Wood yeah, by not, Tim Burton. Not like <laughs> Plan 9 from Outer Space. Like we're actually talking about the movie Ed Wood. So maybe a little bit of a controversial episode Yeah, in some ways. Um, I know we've had... In particular, one segment of it will be. Yeah. So I, I know that we typically disagree on quite a lot of things, especially when it comes to music. We disagree all the time. But uh, with movies, we tend to agree on things that we think are kind of egregious errors or anything yeah. like that uh on this or one, things that are just undeniably great yeah exactly yeah. i'm feeling that this particular episode may have some controversial things we're gonna say in it but we're definitely gonna be honest like we always are let's just get right into it yeah let's do it okay so the first movie we're gonna talk about is suspiria yes yes it's suspiria yeah. um so dario argento movie <laughs> yep and you know being italian I have a, a fond love of me some for some Dario, you know? Yep. If you don't know who Dario Argento is, he's pretty famous for his horror movies. The one that actually I'm most interested in or the one that I thought was one of the craziest ones was he worked with George Romero on Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. And he actually did like an alternate cut of it, mm-hmm. which is actually, I think, a little bit better. It's definitely different. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's just more moody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then... Of course, he also did Inferno, and he did, a, he did a whole bunch of different movies. If you actually look up Dario Argento, he's pretty much like a cult director. Yeah. And he's also famous for his use of the band Goblin. Yep. At least that's what a lot of people associate his movies with, is the Goblin scores. It's wonderful use of color. Yeah, cinematography. It's yep. amazing. But it's all going to be talked about when <laughs> we talk about Suspiria. So yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, want to talk about the plot? Okay, let's get into that then. We have this beautiful young lady, Susie, actress Jessica Harper, mm-hmm. who has uh, been invited to dance at a German dance academy. It's always scary right there. Yeah, you know? yeah, just Germany alone. <laughs> that I meant the dance academy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Xenophobic person. <laughs> so she shows up to said dance academy, and of course it's dark and stormy and everything is unusually red and blue and green because it's a Dario Argento film (laughs) (laughs) the rain is blue one minute it's red the next and uh, she arrives at the academy where she's going to be staying only to see that one of the young girls is very distraught and running away from the academy and tries to get in the door but is told to leave Yep. from there we take a number of turns in which we're not explained a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, we're just going to get right into kind of... And, of course, there will be spoilers, just like we said within the last episode. Plus, this movie's like 40-something years old. <laughs> like, Yeah, um, and like, let's just put it out there. 
we know some of you are probably big fans of Suspiria, so we don't want anyone to take offense to anything we might criticize about this, because I know this is one of the godfather well, of horror films. It's a, um, you know, it's definitely a cult film. I mean, yeah, think about. I feel like it's gone beyond becoming a cult film at this point. Like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's, it, it's not quite like Evil Dead. Like, it's different because this is a def a different mood. It takes yeah. itself pretty seriously. Oh, it definitely actually. takes itself very seriously. Whereas a lot of B movies, you know, they're kind of on that border of like, you know, the best ones are the ones which kind yeah. of realize that they're a little bit off. Yeah, I think this one kind of goes in that other direction of where. It has an appeal to it because it is taking itself very seriously in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. even though it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to... I'm trying to be careful about this one. but So Suspiria is a very mixed movie for me in a lot of ways. I would have to agree with that. The only, Okay, I'm just going to say the, the negatives right off the bat because there's, like, there's a few negatives... They're glaring, yeah. Unfortunately, and, and they're all plot based. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now, one of the things I love about Suspiria is, of course, the cinematography and the colors and everything like that. But the story itself, it just is kind of missing a whole bunch of it's stuff. It's lacking a lot. So you have this character, Susie, who's shown up to the dance academy, and right off the bat, everything about the film is telling you that something horrible is going to happen. The music screaming at you, the colors yeah. screaming at you. Which I appreciate because yeah. that you know they do that well. Mm-hmm. But then you have this script that seems not to tell us anything that's going on, other than something very spooky is going on at this dance academy. Yeah, they don't really, unfortunately, and like I said, might be spoilers. Um, <laughs> they don't really explain a lot of what's going on in this academy. Even in, even in the end, you know, they explain. I mean, technically, what is happening, right? There's, yeah. There's witches trying to kill the students in the school. All right, all right. Let's let's get right into it. Right. This is big spoiler. Okay, yeah. so basically what's going on is <laughs> witches run the school because this academy was founded by a witch way yeah. back when, mm-hmm. and then it kind of evolved it's into like a dance academy. Or something, yeah. Right? yeah, and supposedly they dropped their occult practices at some point. Point, but uh, the movie would lead you to think otherwise. Yeah. You have no idea that this is going on for 80% of the movie. Yeah, and then when it's explained that this is what's happening, it's not really explained why it's happening, other than that they like to practice this stuff. And it's explained very abruptly. It's funny, because this is being criticized a lot by this movie. I mean, a lot by a lot of people, even people who really appreciate this movie, Yeah, is that the last few minutes of it so much happens in the last few minutes that you wonder why it wasn't spaced out more because mm-hmm. it's kind of like um i don't know, like the hammer horror movies or something like that where there might be one or two movies where you know the monster's only in it for like the last few seconds right yeah. like last few minutes or um even a, i'll even use like a modern one is like cabin in the woods the best part of cabin in the woods if you've seen it is the ending with all the monsters at the end right yep. and this is the part that stick out in your mind. It's not that the rest of the movie's bad. You just wonder why the whole movie or a bigger part of the movie couldn't have been this one part. Yeah. And this one, it just feels so rushed in the end, unfortunately. Let's say they had done a better job with explaining the whole witch plot line. Yeah. I still don't like... We spend 80% of the movie without really knowing the witch story that's going yeah. on. And so... For me, this movie functions, for the most part, as a gothic horror film where the house itself almost feels like the enemy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we're given an antagonist in the last 30 minutes of the movie, which is not the house. 
and that really bothers me on some level. Yeah, this movie works better <laughs> as that sort of movie where it's a suspenseful sort of haunted house sort of thriller yeah. sort of thing. I guess you can say that the witches could be casting spells in the house. Like you could kind of argue that that's even yeah. what's happening with the maggots and everything that happens and the kind of just strange happenings and everything. And but they just throughout the whole movie. So even when they're alluding to witchcraft happening, we don't yeah. know why these witches are attacking the students. We don't know what their motive is. It's kind of briefly alluded to that they're trying to protect their secrecy somehow, but I, it's not really clear that there's a threat that they're going to be exposed to anyone. Yeah, it's really weird, unfortunately. <laughs> That's pretty much the the biggest criticism with the movie. Yeah. And it's kind of a bummer that it's sort of a big one. You know, this movie doesn't really fall into the B-movie category. No, it doesn't, because it really is shot as a serious film. Yeah. And it's not one of those films that's just talked about like a B-movie either. Yeah. It really is talked about amongst other highly esteemed horror films. Yeah, that's like one of the reasons I think that I have a problem with it. Yeah. Is this movie takes itself pretty seriously for the most part. You know, it's just from what I can tell. I mean, Dario Gento yeah. tends to be that kind of guy. It's shot in a very serious way, in a very high-budget sort of way, mm-hmm. um, especially for, you know, Italian film. And it just kind of has a story that is kind of like a B-movie in that it th- kind of just kind of a throwaway like, Oh, it's witches trying to do all stuff. So here's all this cool stuff that happens. Yeah. This will be like my last jab at this movie because I do like this movie. Oh, yeah. And I want to make that clear. But I think one of the biggest issues that I have with this is that it's so well received by critics universally. And I don't understand. Movies have been torn to shreds by critics because their plots and their scripts are terrible, but they look great. Yeah. But this movie, because it looks so good, it withstands all critics' reviews. Well, it's so funny because if anybody has seen, you know, anybody listening has seen Suspiria, literally every single second of this movie could be a framed painting. Yep. I mean, it is beautiful. And I do almost feel it because... It is so insanely good looking a movie. I mean, it's one of the best looking movies ever made that in the style. And I do feel like a lot of people give it the kind of confusing story or maybe not even confusing. I mean, it's just kind of not really developed story Mm -hmm. a pass because of that. You could kind of argue for that, that maybe it should be a lot off the hook. But if you're really sitting down and watching this movie very seriously, or you're just kind of just paying attention to it. You know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people put horror movies on. It's just like, oh, like, yeah. I put it on the background. And it's like, that's kind of cool. And I'm just kind of sitting on my phone or whatever. This movie's cinematography, though, screams pay attention to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really the biggest issue and really the only issue I have with Suspiria. Unfortunately, it is one that I think a lot of people may just not either pay attention to or it's one that are willing to overlook yeah well i mean it's it's one that maybe people may not notice because of the other things that there are to notice about this movie now we've kind of talked about (laughs) we've got that out of the way yeah just that's uh pretty much the only issue so let's talk about everything else about this movie which is everything good yeah okay this movie does a lot of things well oh my gosh there's so much stuff well now first of all let's just talk about cinematography oh my my god God, it's perfect (laughs) oh it's so good it's like beautiful this was 1977. Yeah. And Dude, but this could be with Star Wars. Yeah, you know? right? Like, to me, like, we don't even 
begin to see cinematography that looks as good as this until the 80s happens. Like, well, I mean, you did have Kubrick by this point. Yeah, we did have Kubrick. But here's the thing is... I feel like Kubrick's a better director than he is a cinematographer, though. The colors and everything in here really actually remind me of 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Which I think is a you know very good thing to compare this to yeah, actually it, it is because um a lot of people find that movie very confusing well you say that story is almost too developed in some ways of yeah. what it's supposed to mean and everything like that but the colors and stuff really 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 pop yeah they have um a lot of very difficult shots to pull off in each of these movies mm-hmm. and i just think that the use of the colors, like the, because they use like a few covers, colors very prominently. And red, blue, and green are yeah, the very big colors yeah, for this movie. Yeah, and Kubrick too used those same kind of colors, especially red yep. a lot. Yep. Especially and, in 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. yeah. I almost feel like this is more like, I know it's kind of a weird analogy, but this is more like a punk rock kind of Kubrick sort of thing where yeah, it's yeah, like, kind of, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of more about creating something flashy and cool and fun to look at, you know, everything. Whereas Kubrick was like, we need to put this here because it means this, you know? Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you get what I'm saying, it's okay. Except the only thing, though, is that I feel like Suspiria didn't mean to be punk rock, and I don't think it tried to be any of those things. I don't know. Dario Argento, is, he's really good. No, I'm not trying to discredit him as director at all. I don't think he intended for, like, the story to suffer or for any of these plot issues to exist within the movie. Hmm. I guess. Yeah, I guess that kind of can make sense. And Kubrick because is he's pretty such intentional. A, yeah. I can't believe we're comparing Kubrick to Dario Argento. Well, Not, they're both very serious directors, I feel like. Uh, no, they're very distinct directors, yeah. too. I just think that this movie, especially in terms of cinematography and everything, that it does really feel like he had such a clear vision. Like, every single scene. Oh, every shot is deliberate. Yeah. Every shot is filmed with the perfect ideation of that moment for the film. And that's what's crazy about it. And it's really hard to even wrap your head around just how much stuff is happening. In fact, I think that's why this movie is actually a really good movie to rewatch. Yeah. Is because you spot so many different things that mm-hmm. were in every scene. Every single room is just so different. You know, yeah. it's lit differently and get used to red people are usually like oh you know three-point lighting or you know like ambient lighting or something like that with soft palette of either yellow or white bulbs yep he's just like bright red just bright blue bright greens green. and yeah it's it's crazy but it's so screw three-point lighting let's just uh let's put lights everywhere yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the best examples is the not only the rooms like when they're going through the hallways and everything but yeah. when the maggots Oh, yeah. the house and they have to go into the gymnasium place to sleep it's just completely red and like yeah. they're like oh we need to go sleep turn off the regular lights make it everything's red, red. Yeah. yeah and it's so crazy this is such a unique thing like, it really is it's just so beautiful well and this is what i will really acclaim this movie for is this is the first time i feel like in film history where we really see what the potential of color is in movies just for storytelling because our issues obviously with this movie are plot based well but these colors i feel like the reason we have an issue with the plot is because the colors are pushing us they want us to have a better plot they want us to dig deeper and that's what colors are supposed to do and we're really seeing the full potential of what color can do to like push an audience because we've already seen what music can do for a movie to suggest a mood mm-hmm. or a theme. 
but color here really suggests the theme and heavy emotions and everything like that you know wizard of oz did a good job of that you know it's one of the first ones yeah i'm just saying (laughs) well it does but it's simple (laughs) it, it is very simple and i feel like wizard of oz is i don't know it's just it's, it's a very different movie like yes the color alludes to how you're supposed to feel about things but it's not as bold and as daring or as uh, dare, yeah. i dare say vicious as this movie is oh yeah it? totally agree with that actually you know i think if if you appreciate film yeah and you appreciate the process of film then this movie would appeal to you even if you're not really into horror movies Unfortunately, I think most of the other rest of the movie wouldn't appeal to you yeah. if you're not into horror movies. Yeah. Because this movie is, I mean, pretty brutal at some point. Yeah, it's pretty uh, gory. Oh, gosh. There's some, like, cringeworthy scenes. <laughs> I mean, some, like, ooh. Yeah. And the one that, since the first time I saw it, and it was, because um, the first time I seen this movie, I watched it all by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was, just, you know, just sitting alone in the dark, you know, get turn on the lights off and everything, and you just kind of sit back and enjoy it. And there's a scene where the girl is running from, like, the, you know, the person who's going to stab her. She's running away from the guy who's trying to kill her. Yep. And she hops through the window. <sighs> this scene. And falls in this room that has a piles of razor wire. Yeah, just, just a room that happens to have razor wire. I don't understand why there's a room full of razor wire. I don't know, but I have to say that's the most brutal way I've watched anyone die. Is yeah. struggling through razor wire for... Uh, they don't cut away from this all the no. At all. She's actually like uh, it's the just, camera just stays on her while she's just getting ripped to shreds in this razor yeah. wire. And then when she gets actually killed, the the guy slits her throat, and it's like a really brutal close up. And that's one thing I will say about this movie in particular. What I think makes it so brutal to watch is the editing, because we're used to modern horror films where you know, someone gets stabbed immediately, they cut to another shot and another shot and another shot, but the camera really stays with the action in this movie. Yeah. I can think the only ones that don't cut a million times, you know what the ones I'm going to say are, right? It's like the crazy, insane ones, like Hostel or anything like that, where yeah. the whole point of it is to yeah, watch people yeah, yeah. suffer. But, but yeah, in a typical horror movie... Yeah, you wouldn't have that sort of thing. And it's shocking to see that dabbings and there's the point where the dog attacks the guy and is like ripping the flesh. Yep. And yeah, it's just brutal. And the blood, okay, like <laughs> the blood. And I know Argento fans are going to be really pissed about this. This isn't a huge issue for me because I like Hammer Horror movies. Hammer yeah. Horror movies are some of my favorite movies. I mean, Chris and Frankenstein, the Horror Dracula, those are some of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. So I love Cherry Red Blood. You know, I yeah. love that like super ridiculous kind of like movie blood no I, I know I know what you're saying but, I know where you're going with this yeah but the <laughs> it, it sounds weird I may have just watched too many horror movies but the consistency of this blood <laughs> is what bugs me it looks like wine well, or like pa- like, like paint spilled on the floor yeah, or something like it all looks different like a whole bunch of scenes that it looks different it's not like there's a consistent yeah. like thing that they made because in this is the beginning where the woman falls from the ceiling and you know, she's hung you know the famous mm-hmm. scene the woman falling from the ceiling and then she she hangs um she gets hung by the rope yeah and then the you know the glass in the woman's head when it pans down to her the woman who had the glass hit her head the blood that's on the floor it looks like super paint like yeah i just like ah oh. and then sometimes in the movie it's like the super bright chair red and sometimes a little bit darker or yeah it's just it's just not consistent mm-hmm. and i know that's really weird to criticize the consistency of blood 
But, no, I'll, I'll give you that. I think it's a valid point to bring up because I was distracted by that throughout the film. I kept watching the blood, and I'd be like, "What's it? What's it gonna look like this time?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's the other thing we have to comment on for Suspiria. The other big thing, the music. Yep, done by my band Goblin. Oh yeah, Argento favorite. <laughs> so, it, just in case you guys don't know, Goblin was this band that did a ton of really, really amazing horror movie soundtracks. Yeah. And they have like all these different kinds of like Celtic instruments and everything like that. They maybe didn't achieve as much critical acclaim outside of Argento films yeah. or the few or the horror film movie. industry in general. I, th- I think the biggest problem is you, whenever you think of music for movies, you don't typically think like, oh, that's a band playing. You think yeah. that that was like John Williams or something. Unless like that. you started watching movies like five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> but... Goblin had made a ton of soundtracks, and they're really, really great. But this one is is one of the most popular ones. Yeah. And the Suspiria theme, you know, the... Yep. It is very catchy, and it's it's a great great tune. You know, it's creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, I think that Goblin does that so well. Oh, I know. Like, Goblin consistently makes every second of this film so creepy yeah that is true the music in this movie helps it so much because unlike a lot of movies you know how nowadays they're just like jump scare jump scare jump scare there's like no jump scares in this movie no, at, not all. at all today you know as a creepy hallway it would be uh, just yeah the, the the slowly tapping. build until you have the jump scare and then everything spikes just for that yeah. second <sighs> yeah like yeah. and the music goes up for like one second and it's like oh my gosh and no this this movie's screaming at you the whole time yeah like, <laughs> it basically builds up if she notices something if she hears something in the hallway she starts walking out she actually walks towards you hear the music build yeah, as, as soon as she gets hallway, into a hallway it gets really loud just like blasting music and we're and it makes you feel so uneasy. Oh, definitely. It's it's very hard to describe because it's an experience that you don't get today. No, it definitely is not. And I'm so used to jump scares being in horror movies that throughout this movie, because of that music, I'm like, where's something going to jump out at me? And nothing ever does. You yeah, know. The, the hallways are scarier than the actual scare scenes in this movie. Yeah. If you guys have seen the movie, the, the ending where she, she stabs the witch through the, <laughs> through the throat. Which, which, by the way, like, s- easiest death ever in a movie. Like, she Can we mention the, the outline of her, too? Oh, yeah. It's pretty bad. It's just, you know, it's the 70s. It's a cheap effect. Like, you know. But, like, everything else they've done in this movie is so good. I just felt like that last scene was so lazy. Mm, yeah, probably because it was actually, like, you know, it had to be a mystical effect. Yeah. You're basically filming it and guessing what you're going to have to do later. Yeah. But... Yeah, so basically she sees the head witch on the bed and is like, oh, I need to, you know, where is she? She turns invisible when she pulls away the bed cover thing. Yeah. And she's Except like, we don't know she's invisible. Yeah, yeah. She's disappeared. Know. So then you see her outline. So she literally takes the, this was it like a knife or something, just yep. stabs her through the throat and that's it. Yeah, she so dies. <laughs> and then all the other witches die because she killed the queen yeah. witch. And apparently the witch in this movie was some like prostitute, like some super old prostitute that Dario Argento so just, like, great. hired to be that part. Yeah, that's, I that's that, the only thing he hired her for. I, yeah, I read that, like, a long time ago. You know, if you see her face, her face is, like, super, super yeah. wrinkled and everything like that. By the way, that scene so gross. Like, her hands and everything, mm-hmm. like, the cover in that, like, weird paint. And, uh, it's, just, like, so gross. This movie makes me feel so weird when I'm watching it. I wouldn't call it one of the scariest movies I've seen. 
but one of the most unnerving. Yeah. Well, it may have a lot of plot issues. Well, it may have some kind of unanswered questions or questions that were never even asked. Yeah. Um, that should have been. This movie is is really a classic in where we and if you see it even with all these issues, it's a movie that's hard to turn off. It really is. And even as we you know, we sat here talking about our issues with the plot and what we think is could have been done better in the movie. But by the end of the movie, I still I still like it. I do. I totally agree with that. And even though I go back and look at this with the critical eye, even watching it for this episode to watch it and find all the issues with it and find everything I like about it, even with some glaring issues, this movie's freaking great. Yeah. So I, I recommend it wholeheartedly, and it'll add something to your Halloween to put it on. You'd be like the cool person who's like, Ooh, yeah, I know. And you'd be like, you'd be like what's the movie? A, you'd be like, oh, it's Suspiria. I'd be like, oh, what's that? And you'll be like, oh, it's an Italian horror film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Italian. You probably never heard of it. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> but then in Italy, everyone watches it every day for Halloween. Um, but that's Suspiria. Go watch it. Okay, so this is going to be our new segment for this episode. We're going to try and keep this one a little bit light because we have lots to say about movies we're yeah. talking about today yeah so we just thought we'd talk about some things that are coming out that we were kind of interested in mm-hmm. so the first thing is this really interesting Edgar Allan Poe adaptation sort of, yeah it's like collaboration sort of thing where they're adapting five stories in this movie it's like an hour-long movie and it looks really cool so there's essentially they've taken these five stories and they've filmed five shorts for them and then kind of woven them together to make a feature-length film. Yeah, so it's called Extraordinary Tales. If any of you are fans of Edgar Allan Poe, this definitely looks interesting. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, so we can't really comment on the quality of it. But it's definitely worth checking out, especially just because if you aren't a fan of Edgar Allan Poe, you really should check out some of his work because he pretty much helped define the gothic genre. Yeah, one of the things... Yeah. literature yeah <laughs> and i think this looks cool it's it looks kind of interesting in terms of the animation some of it is a little not quite my style yeah um because this is like computer generated imaging sort of things it has to be kind of hyper stylized for yeah, me to yeah. kind of like those sort of things but <laughs> it's funny in today's world almost i feel like a lot of people won't read edgar Allan poe because yeah. he's written in such a way yeah, like, it's uh, if you're not an English major, you're going to have trouble reading Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, well, I mean, think about the one of the most famous stories, right? The Cask of Amontillado. Mm-hmm. You know, all the wounds of Fortunato, I bore the best I could. That's like the opening line to that. Yeah. And so if you're not really into that kind of writing. And if you're not into poetry, he's a very poetic writer. Yeah. Very, very sad. Yeah. Very sad, man. It's tuberculosis, man. Yeah. So is that, that would be something that would be really cool for your kind of Edgar Allan Poe. Just take a look at that. We're going to give... Probably a, a short review of it next episode if I happen to catch it. I can't guarantee that I will or I'll have time right now just because, of course, this week ends yep. up being pretty busy for us. I'm trying to get some content out there. Um, but the there's one other thing we want to talk about. Yeah, and the other thing is a documentary that's come out that is about the damned. What is that documentary, Donnie? <laughs> the damned. Don't you wish we were dead? <laughs> How appropriate. So... It, from what we've seen in the trailer, it pretty much kind of looks at the Damned as this kind of forgotten punk band. But what we're particularly interested about is, and we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know, is whether or not they address 
or at least spends a decent amount of time with the dam's 80s career which really pushed them more towards gothic rock and really they put out some great goth albums oh man phantasmagoria so good that, that album, opening track is like that whole album there's not a bad song no. on phantasmagoria and unfortunately that tends to be forgotten to some extent which really really sucks i mean even the videos for that are totally like yep. gothic fodder you know it's just the, so good the, even the album art is great for it even light at the end of the tunnel which came after it was had some tinge of that but phantasmagoria always be my favorite well, phantasmagoria is definitely like the magnum opus of their gothic albums i think so i totally think that that's I, true. I think that most people would agree but yeah. they do even aside from phantasmagoria throughout the 80s release some really good gothic material yeah just anything that was more oriented as you know vocal based as opposed to say guitar based yeah so uh, what we saw in the trailer it looks like they focus a lot on the punk thing which i think is more f- i just hate to say it, it's a little more fashionable right now unfortunately yeah but it also may i'll say that they may have focused on that because it's more fashionable at least just in the trailer so they may discuss the whole band's career yeah and they're only going to show more of the punk stuff for the trailer because they want people to watch it yeah so like we haven't seen it yet so probably gonna i can guarantee you we're gonna check that one oh we're definitely (laughs) watching this one so but that's um kind of what's new this week which we thought we'd just kind of talk about what we were seeing and everything so that's some new stuff it's news for this week (laughs) yeah that's a short statement uh probably next week especially is gonna be it'll be a ton of stuff yeah because a lot of stuff's gonna be coming out within the next week so look forward to (laughs) that but that's our new segment so let's get back to talking about movies all right so we're gonna talk about ed wood now yeah we're not gonna talk about the director ed wood and we're talking about ed wood not ed wood we're talking about ed wood no, okay so, <laughs> so we're talking about the tim burton film yes. 1994 biopic yeah and this is the story of ed wood and, and the filming of plan nine well it actually covers uh from glenda it, glenda to plan nine it does but it spends a significant amount of time on plan nine yeah and um also the bride of the monster yeah yeah, that one too. So, this movie is great too. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Right off the bat, I just want to say I really like this movie. It's actually probably one of the least watched Tim Burton movies. And yeah, I would say probably one of the best of them. Yeah, I would agree with that. In fact, this movie, and a lot of people have criticized Tim Burton for a lot of things. In fact, we've we always say the dreaded two words when yeah. you're talking about goth is is Tim Burton because of his association, of course, with Hot Topic and everything like yeah. that. Disneyland and. <laughs> Of course, the oversaturation of A Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. is a very, very large reason for that. And, you know, Sweeney Todd and Alice in Wonderland. Yep. Not that Sweeney Todd's a bad movie, but, you know, when Sweeney Todd was coming out, they pushed so much of that out the door. And his movies tend to be overhyped at this point, And people just think, like, oh, well, if it's a Tim Burton movie, that must be goth or that must be dark. So yeah. a lot of people in the subculture have really turned against him. Yeah. In that way. It's unfortunate. It's kind of his own fault in a lot of ways. It is. We'll probably do a whole thing on the rise and fall of Tim Burton, (laughs) at least his popularity and the criticism against him. But that's not what this is about. I just wanted to mention that before we talk about it. Yeah. 
and to say that this is actually a really good Tim Burton movie that not a lot of people talk about. Yeah, and if you really have shied away from Tim Burton's films because of all the aforementioned reasons, mm-hmm. then we really suggest you give this movie a chance. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly on that one because this movie is really good. I know that a lot of people get turned off by black and white movies, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but this movie is black and white. There's no color version of Ed Wood. It doesn't feel like a black and white movie, though, I will say. Well, I mean, I think if you go into it with the idea that it's a black and white movie and you're kind of prepared like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and get into yeah. this, instead of being like, oh, it's black and white, I can't get into it. Yeah. I think a lot of people who watch black and white movies will tell you that after a few minutes, you don't even notice it's in black and white. And yeah. the thing that comes through in black and white movies because you're not able to look at all you know, the pretty colors and everything like that. It's like the opposite of Suspiria. Yeah. You tend to focus on the story and all these elements that are really great and the acting has to come through for it because you have a whole element that's gone. Mm -hmm. And so this movie shines in so many ways. Yeah. And unlike a lot of Tim Burton's other movies like Alice Wonderland and even Beetlejuice to an extent is that there's a very clear story mm-hmm. and a very developed characters in that you know what their kind of goals are and while they may not be completely three-dimensional yeah wood in this movie is hey let's do it you yeah. know while they may not be super super deep characters each character is unique enough and developed enough to where you kind of relate to them and you feel like you know them mm-hmm. i would agree with that for this film i will kind of say that I mean, obviously, it's a biopic. Not everything mm-hmm. in this movie is going to be realistically yeah. portrayed. But I feel like they do a r- really good job of capturing the character of each of these real people. There are some discrepancies between yeah. real life well, and the movie naturally, world. It's a biopic. so Yeah. Apparently, a lot of people say Bela Lugosi didn't swear a whole bunch, you know, like every yeah. other word. Whereas in this one, he's like... He really is the drug addict that we think of in modern society in this movie. And it's almost like a caricature of him. Yeah. Actually, I know it's it's hard to believe. In fact, I'll just throw this out there because I think it's an interesting fact. Um, If you watched it, wouldn't you never research any of the kind of backlash against it? Mm -hmm. Is that actually Lugosi's family really did not like Ed (laughs) Wood. I'm sure they did. (laughs) They did not like Ed Wood because they felt that he took advantage of Bella Lugosi. Even though... Everyone else who was involved with all the movie said they seemed to be really good friends. Yeah. Even when he was going through all the stuff, you know, Ed would visit him in the, in the hospital when he was yeah. trying to get clean. And so there is that huge kind of discrepancy in the story, but this story is told so well. Oh, it definitely is. You really like Ed Wood by the end of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you really like Bill Lugosi, despite mm. his portrayed character flaws. I think the best thing about this movie is that, even though I'm fam- I'm very familiar with these people, you know, like yeah. I'm familiar with Ed Wood, I'm familiar with Bela Lugosi, I've seen pretty much, you know, all of their movies, and even Ed Wood's really bad movies I've yeah. seen, and so I'm really familiar with these people as people, and the way that they portray them, you really get lost in the characters, you know, you, Martin Landau as Bela Lugosi, so good, yeah. And it feels like it's actually a really old Bela Lugosi. No, that's what it, it feels like. It, his performance is great in that movie. And even, you know, Johnny Depp gets criticized a lot. Yeah. But it, I honestly feel like his performance in this movie is great. Like, as Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's characterized. But, I mean, what I've read about, you know, Ed Wood, he really kind of was like that. Yeah, it wasn't until the end where he got kind of, you know, 
where he got super, super, super into alcoholism and stuff. Yeah. Or I've read that he had those kind of really dark periods, but yeah. he was super optimistic before all that, you know, mm-hmm. and he got a lot of movies made. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's what really comes across in this, that he was so determined. And yeah. it sounds weird, but this movie is really inspirational in a weird way. <laughs> no, it is because... So we should state that Edward not popular in his time. Edward uh, is popular now. It was not popular <laughs> in his time, but uh, yeah, even, even still, he's you know he's famed as the worst director of all time. Like that's his title. Yeah, I actually it's funny because Edward the movie actually had a huge impact on his cult status. Yeah, which is obviously since his release, his movie's grown exponentially. You know, Plan Nine posters are everywhere. Yep. You know, people. I've literally seen people who had the poster instead of the thing. Like, I was like, oh, you like Planet Eyes? Like, oh, yeah, it's a cool poster. Yeah. You know, so it's like, because they make so much stuff based on it. Yeah. That's just, like, looks cool. Well, and another thing that I think that this movie does a good job of, and, I mean, maybe it was or wasn't intentional, but it really brought back some spotlight to some people that I felt like Hollywood had kind of forgotten about. I mean, for one, Ed Wood, Bela Lugosi will never be forgotten. Like, that's just impossible. Yeah. Like, I, but Vampira, or Vampira, I should say. Yeah, Vampira, that's that's a big one, too, because she's, that's a really sad story if you yeah. actually look into it all. But I do think that the, one of the best things this did, too, was, was make these people human to a lot of people. Yeah. Of course, Bela Lugosi is Dracula. Yeah. I mean, that's what most people associate him with. They People do associate him with Ed Wood's movies, you know, the pull the string. Yeah. The dragon, beware the dragon, you know. Yeah. Those sort of lines which are just hilarious. But the showing that he was really on the outs, you know, in his life, you know. He, yeah. Hollywood did not treat him well and he was not... Hollywood didn't even want to use him for Dracula. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> he that's right. He barely got cast in that movie. Yeah, and then he almost be, and then became the Dracula. I mean, yeah. everyone's, you know, every time there's a, a vampire, it's like... Well, hello, I'm yeah. the vampire, you know. The only other Dracula portrayal that's as popular is Nosferatu. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Gary Oldman. No. And I was like, whoa. Okay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I really like this movie. And, the, you know, the one piece of trivia I think is really weird about this one? It's one of the only movies where Danny Elfman doesn't score the movie. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, because they had a falling out uh, after <laughs> Night Before Christmas. <laughs> this so, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, so this is the one movie that he doesn't do that's... I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's one of the only ones that he doesn't do. I, like, I'm pretty sure he does every single other Timber movie. I might take some backlash on this, but I kind of think that that might contribute to this movie being good. Really? I don't I, don't, I like Danny Elfman. But I think that if this had a Danny Elfman soundtrack, it just would have felt like every other Tim Burton movie. I could see that it would fit in more with the other ones, but I like what they do with this one. I like that they actually kept the score to a, a pretty subtle route for the most part. Yeah. And actually, they use the theremin and kind of keep it of mm-hmm. the time, which I think really works. Well, that's what I loved. And I don't think we would have gotten that with Danny Elfman as, you know, the composer for the movie. This one of the things is, is a fan of Ed Wood stuff. And by fan, I using that is a very... I can appreciate what he's done. Well, <laughs> these movies for what they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to 
describe you can't call Plan Nine a great piece of cinema, but it's definitely a very interesting piece of cinema. Yes, <laughs> so it's so good, so good it's bad. This yeah. it perfectly describes. So it bad was, it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so so good it's bad. Yeah, so bad it's good. But that really sums up Ed Wood's work. And yeah. seeing these shots from these movies, pretty much recreated. I mean, exactly like Tim Burton nails it yeah. with the sets and everything when he's recreating it and they're reshooting the scenes it looks exactly like the ones in the real movie and I just love every time they're shooting as soon as they get a scene done he's like good cut it print it we're done you don't, like, you don't want a backup shot no no it's perfect couldn't have been done better yeah I like that <laughs> never could have been shot better in life like you, it's like you just don't want one for safety. He, he he just hit the door. No, that would have happened in real life. This is this is real. Yeah, I love it. It's like <laughs> you can see it shook the set. He's like he would have that problem get through that door every day of his life. <laughs> it's like it's just hilarious. And and the plan nine, the, the everybody points out if you ever go to like a showing of plan nine, yeah, it's like all the people laugh whenever all of the the tombstones and crosses yeah. fall. And they did it inside the movie. It's like it's like all the tombstones fell over. He's like. Yeah, uh, you know, I got a whole movie to make here. You know, like we gotta, we gotta keep going. And I love that whenever he gets stressed out, he's got to go put on his sweater and his little wig. And, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then he really gets into the Ed Wood. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just awesome. You know, this movie we could just keep gushing about each scene because every single scene's done really well. It doesn't drag at all. No, and that's what I find amazing because I know a lot of Timber movies, even. Even Corpus Bride, which is probably one of my, I mean, just beautiful movie. Just yeah. absolutely great movie. I feel like drags and is kind of clumsy. This is just a, a really, really well done movie. And I'm really surprised by, by that. Because even movies that I put on, I've seen 5,000 times by Tim Burton. Yeah. I've seen Beetlejuice. I can't even guess how many times I've seen it. And it does have some issues, you know, in terms of. The story not making sense when you really think about it. Yeah. But it's so good in that way. This movie is just good in not only that it, it's good at telling the story, like the way Beetlejuice is, but in terms of actually plot structure yeah. and getting you involved with every single character and making you kind of relate to them. And it's script. Like, script is really good for this yeah. movie. And so I just think that this is probably one of the most solid movies he's ever done. In fact, critically, this is one of the best movies he's ever done. Yeah. People love this movie. You got extremely good ratings, and a lot of people said, even when it came out, it's like, oh, you're probably going to miss this one, because yeah. it's a black and white movie, it's a big budget movie, Yeah, um, Johnny Depp wasn't the huge, huge star that he's now, he was a, you know, he's a name, but he wasn't like as he is now. Yeah. And so this movie kind of flew under the radar for people, and I think people should give it a shot. Oh, I definitely agree with you there. If you're one of those people who's kind of steered away from Tim Burton's movies, go back and watch this one. Yeah. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yep. So, that's all I'd say about it, Wood. I'm done. Okay, on to our final film. It's Only Lovers Left Alive. Now, this movie is really good, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, all these movies are really good. We didn't necessarily mean to pick extremely good movies. We just kind of picked three movies that we liked, and they ended up all being extremely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. By... <laughs> Because we were like, yeah, hey, these movies are like, okay, those movies are good. Yeah. So, Only Loves Left Alive is a vampire movie. It is. It is not what you would think of when you think of a vampire it's movie. It's the non-vampire vampire movie, I would say. Yeah, it's mostly about relationships and what it means to be alive and what it means to... Be human. Like. Yeah, it, it's so weird. And 
it's gonna sound boring when I describe it. Okay, so it's not really a plot, first of all. Yeah, so first of all, there's it's, a, or it, there's a minimal one. Yeah, well, first of all, it's directed by Jim Jarmusch. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, and so I really am a fan of his movies. He did he did Dead Man, which I think that's the one with Giant Depp, and uh, it's, you know it's okay. A lot of people really like it. I think I just have to give it another shot. Yeah. Did you Ghost Dog? That's, I think, probably his most popular. Ghost Dog? Yeah. yeah. I, I love that movie. Stranger Than Paradise, that one's actually in the National Film Registry, which is crazy. Yeah. Coffee and Cigarettes, which has, like, the segments with Iggy Pop. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, people love posting p- things from that on, well, like... everything that's shot for that is so much fun to watch. Yeah, exactly. And then Broken Flowers with... Bill Murray, yeah. which is such a good movie. Oh, that's a great movie. I, I it's so <laughs> weird, but it's we're gonna nerd out about Jim right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're probably gonna talk about some of his movies later. I just have a feeling. Yeah. But Only Love Is Us Live is 2013. This movie is about two vampires. It's mainly about three vampires, but mostly about the two couple. It's a yeah. couple um, who are conveniently named Adam and Eve. Yeah. So it's Tilda Swinton. By the way totally one of my crushes yep. is Tilda Swin. I know like uh, she's she's just perfect to me I mean absolutely yep. I just love Tilda Swin so much and you got Tom Hiddleston yeah so Adam they live separately so they, they're hundreds of years old and Adam lives in Detroit and then Eve lives in Tangier yeah and so there's they're super far away from one another and then she also lives in Tangier with them another like kind of head vampire an older vampire who is also a historical figure yeah yeah and there's this this is running gag throughout the whole movie that like they keep giving stuff to people because yeah. they're like i don't want to release myself because that would be stupid so yeah. like, i'm gonna give these people like a symphony or i'm gonna mm-hmm. give them like hamlets or yep. so it's it's really funny because vampires have been alive so long they can create these really amazing things yep and there's all these jokes about how oh yeah byron was an asshole and like stuff like that and so adam and eve they they live separately apart and adam is really depressed he lives in detroit and he makes music and everything and he actually wants to kill himself yeah and so he you know gets like very early on in the movie yeah he asks his i i don't know if i'll call him a friend but uh he's kind of his human resource was it like a like renfield is that the name of the guy from, from Dracula? Yeah. Where it's like his assistant sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. You know how the, the vampires can kind of like... I mean, you know, they usually use like hypnotism in other movies. And this one, he's just kind of a big fan of him, it seems like. Yeah. There may be some sort of thing like that. You know, he's kind of like his lackey. But he, he genuinely like really likes Adam. And it seems like on some level that Adam appreciates him. Yeah. And he's one of the few humans that Adam seems to get along with. Exactly. <laughs> so... There is this element that's pretty cool between to see like this is dopey guy who's like oh oh yeah you know that's that's really cool man you know. And what's funnier about it too is how stereotypical he is as a character of like a music scene person. Oh, and it's spot on. Yet Adam like really kind of he really likes him. And so they live apart, and and Adam is like really depressed, and so he wants Eve to come be with him. You know, all the way across the world. So that he won't kill himself. Yeah, so she reluctantly is like, oh, I'll do it. And so she goes over and then flies over there to be with him. And it literally flies. And not yeah. like, you know, like vampire flies. Like she goes on yeah, a plane. plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't turn into a bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they like spend this time together. And then, you know, she discovers he wanted to kill himself. And they got the clubs. And there's, it sounds boring, right? You know, 
it sounds boring because we're talking about the plot right now and the plot is not what makes this movie great what makes this movie great or the time you spend with these characters because it really is a character study and the script for this movie is really oh, really good amazing there's not a word out of place in here no not at all it's such a refreshing movie. It's very well timed. Timing is everything oh, in this movie. Absolutely. Especially with the way the dialogue works in yeah. this. With how witty they have to be to yeah. one another. They really <laughs> had to kind of time perfectly. And there's times where the, like, the actors really come through for this because a lot of scenes just rely solely on their eyes and how mm-hmm. they look and, and their posture and everything or just the tone of their voice yeah and it comes through so well and i think that's the most compelling part of this movie is really the deliverance of these two actors in their role mm. it's just a phenomenal performance by both of them and like i said it's a hard movie to describe unless you've seen it and one of the things is that they're concentrating is they're trying to get new blood right because the world is polluted with blood now. You know, there's tens of blood diseases, and mm-hmm. I think one of the things that Travis is trying to allude to is is AIDS or yeah. HIV being in the blood. And then we you kind could, of live in this sort of dystopian world where, uh, yeah, the so, vampires are really the only ones who have any substance left to them. Yeah, it's sort of this kind of like they're pitying humans and yeah. they're mad at them for polluting their own bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So the one thing is that they're always trying to get like desirable blood, which is Type O negative, yes. One of my favorite bands ever. But so they were trying to get um, type O negative blood, and which is the rarest form of blood. Yeah, it's kind of like a drug to them, you know. Not only yeah, they very much portray it that way with the cinematography mm-hmm. and the acting. The kind of like floating feeling. Yeah. You know, the, anytime they take a sip, they just kind of like heal over and almost pass out. Yeah. yeah. It looks like they just shot up heroin. Yeah. There's definitely some correlation to that of them being so reliant on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they, this is what they need. Yeah. And they don't want anything else besides the best stuff. Mm-hmm. So there is that kind of relation you can easily draw a conclusion to. But it just is so much about these characters, Adam and Eve, and how they react with other people, you know. One thing's and like I said, there's always spoilers and whenever we're talking about movies. So just go watch the movies. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. So it's a spoiler warning. You're gonna listen to our uh, our movie episodes. We should just give you fair warning, there's gonna be spoilers and all that. Yeah, them. unfortunately. It's just very hard for us to talk about certain scenes and we see we uh, seem to be picking movies that are really hard for us to not talk about the endings or, yeah. or anything because like it's so good. Maybe it's just us. But <laughs> the sister um, of Eve comes to visit and she's kinda like a party or girl vampire yeah she's the only real trope in this movie yeah but it's funny because she's played off against these characters who are very realistic yeah but she's like woo partying so she kills somebody like they don't really kill anybody anymore yeah. they're like appalled that she would drink somebody's just blood and is like mm-hmm. do you know like what he is you know, like can you how do you can you drink that you know like yeah like and he's like you drank him you you drank ian <laughs> she drank ian <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and she's like has like a stomach ache after drinking. Yeah, him, like because uh, she's like she's a rocker. You know what's in his blood. You know? Yeah, so that's like really the only conflict they really have. I just like how the characters are really strong. Even if the sister is a little tropey, of course she's like the crazy party girl. Kind yeah, of thing. she. Uh, and this will be the only part of this segment that I probably criticize this movie in. Really? It, yeah. Well, for me, I feel like the sister either needs to serve a bigger role in this movie or just needs to be cut out altogether because she's really only in the movie for like what like 30 minutes and probably yeah and she 
pretty much only serves the purpose of basically destroying Adam's chance of living in Detroit. Yeah, so, so they have a reason to do something. Yeah. I guess, yeah, you can you can probably say that. That's that's my only real criticism of it. Okay. There is another conflict, but just, you can just watch the movie and you'll find out what it is. But yeah. The reason I like this movie so much, and, and it's the reason you like this movie so much. Yeah, is, this is a... It's a home hitter for me. Yeah, is that it really portrays depression in a very realistic way. Yeah. In that it's not trying to explain what depression is. You know, the the characters don't say, oh, I'm fucking depressed and screw yeah. everything and, you know, sorry I swore. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, also, I think what they do so well with their portrayal of depression is just to depict that it doesn't really matter what your circumstances are mm-hmm. like adam has everything he has money he has yeah. eternal life and eve even there's that famous line in the movie where eve says how could you be alive for so long and not get it and that almost depicts the way society views depression and that everybody's always like how do you not get it like just enjoy life but yeah. Unfortunately, depression just doesn't work that way. Yeah, and especially if you have it extremely severely. You know, it just shows him in his daily life. He just kind of just doesn't really do much. He makes stuff, and it's, he doesn't like it that much, but it, it brings him, you know, it feels right to do. and It just kind of keeps him living, really. Yeah. And, and that's a really good portrayal of depression. That's yeah. what it feels like. And this movie, especially for me, it's home very, very close to home. Because it it really reminds me of a certain period of my life. Uh, I I can definitely yeah. agree with you on that. Yeah, it, and it same goes for me. You know, with the relationship and everything. You know, I've been in a long distance relationship. You know, where you're constantly like, you know, they do the Skype thing. You yeah, know? and so you know where you're seeing this person, and you just want them to be with you, and you know, there's even like a reluctance to like, oh, like one person's like, all right, to travel. Yep, and. But then you see each other and you're so in love and it means so much to you and that's like the time that you feel complete and everything. It's like it doesn't necessarily make all your problems go away. No. That person doesn't. But it's like it's a comfort that you love to have. And my favorite shots in this movie are the ones where they are asleep. Yeah. In fact, that's that's easily my favorite part where it's like their first time they get to be together for a while and then it shows them laying on the bed sleeping you know during the daytime yeah and they're just like curled up and then you know they're just naked but who cares but it's like, not it's not a sexualized scene no. at all in fact the thing I like about it is that they add if you listen closely on the you can hear their hearts beating yeah and so you just hear like the the beating like I think they beat like the same rhythm together yeah. and it's just so like real well that ties into their whole uh, discussion that comes up later Which about one? It, quantum mechanics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of kind of really funny dialogue about theories and actually, like the was it Tesla is a huge thing in this. And <laughs> yeah, and Einstein. And so, if you're into that kind of stuff, you, you're gonna you'll love, love all the references in this movie. Not just if you're a musician, but if you're into science or literature or mm-hmm. any kind of art. Yeah. There's so many references in this movie. Just, it's so many levels you can like this movie. For me, it's just so close. It's so close to home. This movie will always mean something to me because it reminds me of a certain part of my life. And that may sound sappy. That may sound like, a, a you know, something that's like weird. But it was something that I was happy with and something that even at the time really related to me. And I always remember that it related to me in that way. Even if my life isn't the same as it was back then. This movie has a special place for me. 
And it's crazy to think that because this is a brand new movie. You know, people yeah. criticize movies for being unoriginal. People criticize movies from like, oh, there's been no original movies made for the last 20 years. Yeah. This movie's from 2013. And it's so original. Yeah. So great. So trope-defying. Yeah. And it's just good. Even the way it ends is just... Oh, like, the ending scene is just... It's just great. If you want a vampire movie kind of like let the right one in and and i don't mean that in terms of tone or anything no but where it's not really heavily or as heavily centered on the vampire thing yeah where it's more about the people yeah. in it and trying to portray what it's like to be them or what it's like to just be human i feel like that's ultimately the goal of either it, of these movies it is funny because the, the movie about vampires yeah, right? ends up discussing and getting a realistic view of what it means to have humanity. Yeah. Because I, especially with Adam, he's constantly questioning it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's constantly questioning like, what's the point of this? Like, and Eve is constantly saying like, life is to be loved, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just fantastic. Go rent it on Hulu box net. Buy it. Do whatever you need to do to watch this movie. Yeah. Like, it, just watch it. If there's any of these three movies that I want to shove down your throat, it's this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would. I would say for some people, it's... I know not everyone's going to like I this I don't think movie. everyone will like it, you know, because especially with Jim Jarmusch, a lot of people kind of don't like the way he tells the story, but... Well, and, I mean, that goes even to the history of it. It was so hard for him to get funding for this movie in America that this movie is a foreign film, technically. Yeah, that's that's really true. It, people just didn't get it, you know? It's like, where's the action? Where's the driving, you know, where's Tom Hardy doing something? There's a famous, or perhaps infamous bit of history about this movie where there had been some action scenes that were shot at least sparingly for the movie Mm -hmm. and studio that they'd been using at the time was like oh these are great you need to put some more in the film and he immediately cut them all out (laughs) it was like okay no action for this film at all yep and it works better that way i think so so that's the only love is alive just go watch it. All these movies we actually really recommend. Yeah. For different reasons. If you're looking for a campy or, or not necessarily campy, but definitely a unique kind of 70s movie that you may not have seen, go with Suspiria. Yeah. If you're looking for that kind of like party kind of fun movie, I would say go with Ed Wood because it's, you know, it's quirky and it's Tim Burton. Or if you just enjoy like cool biopics, that's a really good that's one. A, that's a super good. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. But of course, it's, you know, a fictionalized version of Bella Gossi. Yeah. But then if you're looking for something a little more like hey honey let's watch this sort of thing you know it's definitely the indie night movie yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah don't expect like any Bauhaus or anything playing this film it's no it's all a little bit more. well actually it's almost it's so indie that it's almost like Bauhaus playing mm-hmm. in the movie I guess so <laughs> so but if you like very unique movies I would say take a look at this one yeah there's only lovers left alive and I want to thank you for tuning in on this episode of Gothcast, where we ramble on and on and on about movies. Yeah. So I'm Dr. Sanders. This is Robbie Gore. Of course, as a reminder, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook. We have a website, gothcastradio.com. Oh. And if you really enjoy, please subscribe. Yeah, you can send us an email at gothcastradio at gmail.com if you have any ideas for any shows or anything you would like us to specifically talk about in news or just as a topic. We also have a YouTube channel, Gothcast Space Video. Just go check all that out if you want a little bit more Gothcast in your life. Of course, subscribe on iTunes and all that. Yeah. So, 
Have a good night. Have a good Halloween. And we will see you <laughs> right around Halloween. Yep. So have a good one. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.